The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. It's so good to be home. Um, thank you for those of you who don't know me. I'm Pastor Matt. I've been gone for the last two weeks. Um, we took our team over to Africa, Rwanda, and it's great to be home. Um, missed you guys. It's so good to be back in my bed. Um, I think that was, uh, I think I was ready to see my dog and my pillow when I got home. And then we saw the kids this week. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I'm glad to be back. I want to thank Alec for teaching the last couple weeks, man. He gave solid word. I got to listen to that. And uh, just, I love that I have an incredible team um, that Heather and I, and we can go out and, and do, I love being a part of the missions program of the church that I get to pastor. So um, I love being able to take those trips and be with our team. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like the joke about the road trip. I was praying a lot for this team um, because you love everybody when you get in the car on a road trip. And this is how you know God is good. We're, we still love each other after that trip. So um, it was awesome. We got to spend a lot of time. We got close. Um, they saw me with bedhead and, and, uh, and, yeah, all kinds of craziness. So it was good times. And I think for, for Heather and I, and we've been trying to process a lot since we've gotten back. And um, a lot of the team has been trying to process. But I think the, the, the word that I could state about this trip, for Heather and I at least, was fulfillment. Because last year, we knew, uh, we did an exploration trip last February, we knew we needed to get a team there and engage in this ministry and engage in, in what God is doing in, in Rwanda. And uh, this year, Heather and I got to see our team go through that. And it was just incredible watching what was going on. And, and I know there's a lot of pictures going on behind me. Um, we tried to flood Facebook with pictures and video. And um, they were making fun of me one morning at the guest house because um, the guest house is nice. I mean, they're not gonna, we didn't sleep on dirt. Um, and we ate good food. I think it's the only mission trip I've ever been on where I gained weight. Um, but uh, we, had, we had a little bit of trouble with the Wi-Fi. And so I was up at 5 o'clock one morning trying to load a video so you guys could see a video. And uh, I was sitting there. I was like, man, this video won't work. And then somebody said, yeah, that's a first world problem and we're in a third world country. Um, so that kind of brought everything into perspective. I was like, stinking Wi-Fi, why can't we get Wi-Fi? But, uh, um, but anyway, um, it was just incredible to watch what was going on. And I, I think, you know, I mean, of the experiences, I got to preach the two Sundays we were there at the church that we support. And if you don't know um, Creek, we support uh, a church in Gatenga that is the slum of the capital city, Kigali. And I got to preach there for two weeks. And um, those of you who know me know I don't wear a suit, but I had to preach in a suit in Africa. So you know I'm angry. So, I mean, it was like, I mean, I was shouting Jesus, man. But no, I'm just kidding. But I'm sweating. I mean, I was on a roll. I'm sweating. It was nuts. I mean, and, and their services, three hours, okay? So some of y'all complain about an hour five, three hours, baby. And, and let me tell you something. When we walked in, the Holy Spirit was already there. I mean, they spend time praying before service, and the Holy Spirit was there. We walked in, and uh, I mean, it was, the worship was, I didn't even understand what they were saying, but, uh, but man, it was just, we were worshiping as family, and it was incredible, an incredible experience. And I worked with a translator. The pastor of the church was translating. And if you don't know me, I, I, I tend to, I'm an extrovert, and I tend to get worked up if somebody around me is worked up. So if, if their energy's going up, my energy's going up. Well, so what was happening is, is 
He was getting excited. That was exciting me, which was exciting him even more. So, I mean, I mean, we were just, I mean, we, we were having church, okay? I mean, church. The Holy Spirit was in there. It was awesome. The second week, they, they uh, said to me, they, they, made the, they were going through the service, and he said, and Pastor Matt's going to come up and give a short message, and Heather leans over and says, you, you, you said short, right? And I just laughed. I said, baby, he doesn't have a clue. I mean, when I said, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to do what the Holy Spirit's got to do. And she, I said, the Holy Spirit knows what time it is. And she leans over and she goes, but do you? Um, so it's amazing. The Holy Spirit brought me in on time. No, no, no. It, it was just incredible. But, uh, um, and then we, we visited the, the Dream Center. Um, the Dream Center is a daycare center. Um, we're right close to the ministry house. There's an African school of theology, so they're training up pastors and church leaders. And in that area, they've got a sewing school, a beauty school. And the problem is that the women were, were bringing the kids, and they didn't have anything to do with the kids. And so they opened a daycare center. And so we got to visit the daycare center and love on the kids. We went to the sewing school. And some of the people from our team, if you're from the team, would you guys stand up if you're in the service? Anybody in the service from our team? There's my lovely wife. Hey, yeah, welcome home. The reason I had them stand up is, is, is grab them in the lobby. Just tell me your stories, okay? Just tell me your stories and just be prepared. Man, sit back, relax, get a cup of coffee, and you're going to spend all afternoon. Um, but we got to visit these places, but at the sewing school, some of our, some of our team members got some custom-made clothes and custom-made shirts, and they were, they're stylish. Um, and then we got to go visit schools, and we had a VBS um, one Sunday. 160 kids came to the VBS. 16 kids got saved at that VBS, um, and it was incredible. Uh, a lot of you donated money for the shirts we gave away, and those shirts were, were awesome because as we're driving around the town and the next, over the next couple of days, we're seeing those shirts from that, that VBS. I mean, that was a very special thing for them. I think probably more special was when they were told they got to keep the markers and the coloring books. You would think they just got Christmas. And our translator and the, and the pastor of the church said, that's better than Christmas for these kids. They don't get anything. Christmas is just another day. Um, and so we got to experience some incredible things. We went into one town that... Um, uh, is a new part of the country for Africa, new life. It's close to the border of the Congo. And we went in and we got to see where the church spot's going to be. And they'd already started some of the education process and child sponsorship. And uh, the, the, our translator and the child development officer for that area said, you know, just, just to prepare you, um, you may be some of the first white people that, that this village has seen. And I'm thinking, well, that's cool. Um, they, they looked at us like, who are you? Um, they were, they were, they were, they didn't trust us. I don't blame them. I mean, could you, I mean, here comes these Americans, but what was awesome is they, is they, they kind of got used to us and they started warming up to us. I learned something universal. I took my phone out and I did the camera and turned around where, you know, you do the selfie, but I turned it around for the kids. And this, this is universal. When a kid sees their image or their picture, their reflection, they do this. Um, so I was in good company. We had fun. But, but it was interesting. They, they, they kept rubbing my arm because um, I have hair on my arms. They don't. And so like, this is, this is awkward. But Pastor Tammy, they were rubbing. And like, she was like scrubbing. Like, like when's the white coming off? Um, and so <laughs> I tried that at church last week. I was like, I'd rubbed and rubbed and rubbed and the white never came off. I still couldn't dance. Um, I'm just saying, Holy Spirit in the place. I mean, this is all white. I could not dance. I had no rhythm. 
but um, I got to dance with my brothers and sisters that I'd, I'd never met, and many of them uh, are just incredible, and it was an incredible trip. Um, I know there's pictures scrolling, but I, the, here's what I believe, that, and I hope um, that in heaven where my house will be, there will be pictures on the wall of what I call soul snapshots, um, that, that in life there are things that you experience and things that God shows you that weren't captured with a camera, but were captured in my soul. And, and I, I pray that those are hanging on the wall in heaven for me because um, getting to see our team do their home visits and see the home visits, what, what that looks like is whenever um, we go over there, if you sponsor a child and you go, you're going to meet your child and you're going to go to their house and spend time with them. And to get to see the emotion of our team when they walked in and saw their, their child that they sponsor and their family, and to see the family react and respond to the sponsor. Um, there was one that Heather and I were standing in. The, I don't know if Heather was in the house. I was in the house. But to give you context, the house is about the size of our sound booth. Um, not much bigger than this drum cage. And I'm standing in there, and the, the little boy's name was Emmanuel. And the mother's standing there. And the sponsor mom walked in. And when this woman saw her, um, the reunion that happened was, that, that was a soul snapshot for me. Because this mother of Emmanuel just started jumping and shouting, Mama Emmanuel, Mama Emmanuel. Emmanuel's her son. She's looking at this sponsor coming through the door saying, you're Mama Emmanuel. You're a mama also to my son. And she's jumping and screaming and crying. And this sponsor just embraced this mama. And I mean, she broke. I mean, she was bawling. And I mean, we're all just, we're all, we couldn't contain it. But she kept jumping and pointing to a picture on the wall because let me say this. If you sponsor a child, send them a picture of your family because that's what this sponsored family had done. And so she turns around on the wall and she says, points to her picture, says, Mama Emmanuel, Mama Emmanuel. And they were just hugging and bawling. And all of us were bawling. And it was incredible. And, and to see, that's a soul snapshot for me. Another one was a home visit we did that um, we went in. It's a young man. And he wants to be an eye doctor. And his sponsor family brought him an ophthalmology book with an inscription in it. And I happened to just be standing there in the house, and I looked over, and he's clinging to this book with a grin on his face like he had just given him just the best thing he's ever received. But that wasn't even the greatest thing. When his sponsor asked his father, what can we pray for you about? His father hesitated for a minute, and he said, we want Jesus. The father, the mother, and one of the cousins that was in the house accepted Christ that day. And all I could think about was the words that Jesus spoke to Zacchaeus when he said, I'm coming to your house. And he said this to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your house. And we got to see that over and over. And it's not what we did. There was a lot of seeds planted through Africa New Life. And there's a lot of seeds that were watered, but we got to be a part of that harvest. And we got to see God do incredible things through our team. We got to see God do incredible things through situations we stand on the outside and go, how can there be any hope in that situation, and you walk in and there's more joy than we experience in all of our days. It was just an incredible experience, and I can't describe it to you, but I want to thank you, Creek, because some of you are called to go, and if you're called to go, let's go. If you're not called to go, you're called to help people go, so thank you for helping people go. 
Thank you for being a church that, that has the heart of the gospel at the core of who we are. So that happens in Fort Worth. So that happens in Rwanda, Africa. Because what's beautiful about the gospel is it transcends context and it transcends culture. Because we saw the gospel transform lives in villages and cities in Rwanda. And last week in this room, the gospel changed lives. There were salvations in this room last week. And so I love that about the gospel is that is the power of God unto salvation and it goes beyond where we are on the planet. It goes beyond where we are in life. That the good news that Jesus is our savior who died for us, was resurrected again and stands ready to forgive us and redeem us and give us a new life is true in any context. And so thank you for being a church that is on board with that mission. I love you guys very much. Um, I got to start preaching or we're going to run out of time. Um, so if you got your Bible, go to Luke chapter 2. Um, we're in a series called Groundwork. And this is us working through the book of Luke. And uh, we're at an interesting point today because we've seen Jesus. We've gone through the birth of Jesus. And um, we're seeing Jesus in a preteen context today. But when, what I, when I was reading through this passage and praying about uh, what God wanted me to share and, you know, God, what, what do you want me to preach this morning about this passage and, and, and how do we really kind of be transformed by our approach to this word, um, I, I just felt God really clearly say there's a time of anointing and a time of, of appointing. And so what we've got to understand is that, that you and I, everyone who is in Christ, if we are saved, if we're born again, regenerate, however the word is, Scripture says that when, when we confess our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that he gives birth in us, that we're born again, that we're made an, into a new creation. When that happens, there's an anointing on our life when the Holy Spirit takes up residence. And that anointing means that there's a purpose for every one of us. And there, there is a ministry for every one of us. God doesn't waste anything. And God has a purpose and a ministry for your life. And that happens when we're saved. And, and what we've got to understand, there's an anointing for that ministry. But then there's a time of preparation. There's a time for us to be ready for when that ministry takes off. It's like King David. Um, Samuel anointed David to be king over Israel, and he went back into the field. He didn't go to the palace. And, and that time in the field is what prepared David to be, one of the, to be the greatest king in Israel's history. And so what we've got to understand is that there's a, there's a time of preparation, and we see that even in the life of Jesus, because we're seeing this preteen years, and we're seeing this, this the, the anointing is there. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He was born to be our savior. And what we see is him growing into that ministry, that the anointing is there, but the appointed time for that ministry to take off has not yet happened. And so I want to encourage you because a lot of Christians get frustrated in that, in that process, in that, that growing up process, is that we, we, we feel like God has something for us to do, but we're unwilling to do the prep work to get it done. We're just like, okay, God, I believe you told me to do this, and now I'm just going to make it happen. And what <laughs> we cause a lot of trouble when we just start making it happen on our own instead of following the guidance of, of God. And so we're going to see Jesus in this context, and, and this context of growing up. So here we go, Luke chapter 2. 
Um, I didn't say it, but if you need a Bible, we keep them on the back table for you. If you don't own one, that's our gift to you, or you can follow along if you've got a smartphone. Um, but here we go. Luke chapter 2, verse 39. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. So what happened is last week, Alec was teaching you um, that they had taken Jesus to the temple to have him dedicated that there was a baby dedication and there were some things that the law of God required. So they had done these things and then they headed back home to Nazareth. And verse 40 says, and the child, speaking of Jesus, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. So we see this process of growth happening even in the life of Jesus, who is fully God, fully man. Verse 41, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. There were, three, there were three feasts that the Jews were, were um, commanded to observe. And the reality is most of the Jews would all do Passover because they weren't wealthy. Jesus' family was no exception. They didn't have a lot of money. And so they would say, we're, of, of the three festivals, the three feasts, we're going to observe Passover because that's the one we can afford to go to. So they go to the Feast of Passover. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, they were returning. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. Okay, so I, I've lost my kids before as a parent. I mean, if you're a parent, you can laugh, but you've probably done it too. I've lost my kids before. Can you imagine losing Jesus? I mean, that, that conversation between Mary and Joseph, you were supposed to be, why well, he's the savior of the world. <laughs> well, don't put it all on me, Joseph. How did it get, <laughs> see, see <laughs> the first thing a, a, a mom wants to know is how did this happen, right? I mean, because I, I, here's what I've learned as a father, never tell your wife when you lose the kids. Just make sure you get them back. Nothing happened, okay? We're all good. Everything's good. Your mom doesn't need to know about this. How about some ice cream? Anyway, because once mom finds out, she wants to know how this happened, right? How did this happen? Well, when you, when you look at it, it says that they, they thought he was in the group. There would have been a large caravan of people that had made this trip to Jerusalem. And so the way that broke down is the women and children would all, they would kind of be in a group together walking, and the men would be in a group together walking. And, and so Jesus is 12, and so in our context... 12 is still, we consider, a child. Um, Mary, when she gave birth to Jesus, was between 12 and 16 years old. So Jesus has the ability to move between these groups. He could go hang out with mom and the other kids, or he could go hang out with dad and the, and the men. And so um, it's easy because Mary could be like, well, I thought Joseph had him. And Joseph could be like, well, I thought Mary had him. And then they come together like, you don't have him? I don't have him. We well, gotta find him. Now, I've, I've lost Abby before. Um, and um, <laughs> this is kind of funny. We lost her at church. Don't leave your kids at church, <laughs> please, because we want to go home after this service. I'm hungry. We want to go eat. But um, we lost Abby at church one time. We, we were out of church for a long time, and Heather and I were like, okay, we need to get back into church, so we start going to church. And we checked Abby in. She was in preschool. We checked her in, dropped her off at her class. You know, we had the stickers and everything. And um, it was a good weekend for us if we didn't see our number come up there, you know. And so we made it through the whole service. And we're like, thank you, Jesus. And um, so we go to pick up Abby. And we get to the preschool room. And we said, yeah, we're here for Abby. And here's her sticker. And the teacher can't find her. 
And the teacher starts panicking. And the teacher starts crying. Teacher is freaking out. Now, Heather and I know Abby, okay? She was a, she, she, she was sneaky. See, Jesus, I can't say Jesus is fully innocent in this, you know, because he could have told mom and dad where you were. But, and it, so Abby was sneaky, but I, the, the teacher's going nuts. I mean, I think, I think he's about to hyperventilate. I say, wait, 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 time out, time out, time out before, okay, let's slow down the freak out. When we walked into the children's area, there was a big tray of cookies. Where are those cookies now? And the teacher's like, they're in the kitchen. So we start walking to the kitchen. We walk into the kitchen, and there's Abby, about this tall, cookies in each hand, mouth full, going, Dad, these are cookies. You guys got cookies. This is great. So I know how easy it is to lose a kid, especially when cookies are involved, okay? So don't blame me. I'm not a bad parent, but we all lose our kids. Some of y'all, some, I'm just saying. But can you, I'm, I'm just going to pick on Joseph and Mary. You lost Jesus. I'm just, I've never lost Jesus. <laughs> After three days, okay, <laughs> this, is, this is going downhill quick, isn't it? You know Joseph was getting it from Mary, you know, because it is all Joseph's fault by this point. Um, after three days, they, no elbows, hey, we're in church, okay, men and women are both on, we're on equal ground here, but after three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, so Jesus is like, hey, they got cookies here. I mean, he's around the word of God. They got the word of God, mom and dad. You really need this. Sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Now, I've gotten lost as a kid. My mom never answered that way. When, when we, my mom used to take me shopping, I was a holy terror, okay, for my mom to take shopping. If I made it through a shopping trip without a spanking, that was a good day. I mean, I, I got that, I, that goes in my journal as a good day. I'm sure that went in my mom's journal as a good day. But there was just something about, there's something about Kmart. I mean, I don't know if it's the lighting or what, but they had the circular clothes racks. And for a boy, you just cannot resist that. You have got to climb in there and see what the view is like in there. So, I mean, I remember going in there like, this is awesome. And then I come out, I don't see mom. And Jerusalem didn't have a, what, the mother of Jesus, please come to customer service, Jesus to customer service. I mean, it's a, three days of looking. They're having to figure out where Jesus is. I mean, my, my parents reminded me of this story after the first service. We were at a trade show one time, and I got lost. And a police officer found me, and he said, are you lost? And I said, I'm not lost. My parents are lost. So... <laughs> Depending on who you ask when we get to heaven, all right, who was lost? Who lost who? Joseph and Mary, you lost Jesus? And Jesus is like, no, they were lost. I was right here. Because he said, son, why have you treated us this way? And he said, but she said, behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. In other words, we've been freaking out, Jesus. He says, why, do you look for, why were you looking for me? Do you not know that I must be in my father's house? And I don't think he's been smart with them. I mean, because Mary knew that he, she had given birth to the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And so he's like, I've got to be, it's like Abby, I've got to get to the cookies, right? And Jesus is like, I've got to get to the things of my Father. And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive. He was obedient to them. You know, Jesus never sinned. He was obedient. He honored his Father and his mother. 
And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So Jesus grew, uh, he had a balanced growth. He grew physically, he grew emotionally, he grew spiritually. And and that's kind of where I want to center in on this because uh, verse 40 and verse 52 talk about this growth that Jesus grew, that he increased. And you and I are part of a process too. Jesus was a part of a process. If you want a biblical term for it, it's sanctification. That we're to grow in our, our maturity, that we take this, these steps of progress, that we shouldn't stay the same. I mean, we're born physically and we begin to grow. Our mothers feed us and we begin to grow. Emotionally, we need to begin to grow. The apostle Paul wrote uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians, I think chapter 13, verse 11, he says, when I, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. There's an emotional maturing that we follow, that, that, that we, we get into. And spiritually, it's the same way. An emotional growth, spiritual growth, and even, I'll say this, healthy physical growth doesn't happen accidentally. So as I was praying about what to preach in this, you know, I thought about preaching to you about trials and how trials grow you because we have a lot of people at the creek that are in the middle of a trial. I mean, there are trials that come into our life that we have no control over. I mean, over the last two weeks, we have people at the creek that a phone call has changed everything. A phone call that said, this person is no longer with us. A phone call that says, you no longer have a job. A phone call that says, this is what the test results showed. And we can't control the trials that come into our life. But God can grow us in those trials. And I was going to preach to you about that. And I was kind of moving that direction. And God said, no, that's not what I want you to talk about. Because there are things that happen in our life that we do have control over. And he took me back to verse 46, that where they find Jesus, after three days, they found him in the temple among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. So there are some things that that we can see that God wants us to know that, that no, you cannot control the phone call coming in. You cannot control what the other person is, is deciding in the marriage. You cannot control what your boss is deciding But there are things that you can control when those trials come at us. There are things that you can control just in the normal course of our process of growing up. And when you look at this example of Jesus, the environment plays an incredible factor. Our environment has a significant impact on our growth, even on our ability to grow. When you look at Jesus, he's, he's in the context of a community that's found in the temple. He's around the things of God. He said, don't you know that I had to be with my father? I had to be in my father's house. The Greek translation says, do you not know that I must be around the things of my father? So when we look at our context of community, what are we surrounding ourselves with? Who are we surrounding ourselves with? Because my mom used to say this, son, you become a product of the people you hang out with. And I can tell you this, through my teenage years, I, I felt like a chameleon because I was trying to fit into different groups. I spent most of my life feeling like a hypocrite and exhausted because I was trying to fit in with different people. 
And I'd spend time with these people, and I would tend to become like these people. I would start to act like these people, good or bad. That influence began to influence me. And I finally just got to a point, look, I just need to be who you've created me to be, God. But my environment plays an incredible role in that. Our human tendency is to adapt to our surroundings. And it's incredible what we allow ourselves to adapt to, even in an unhealthy environment. If you're not growing, if you're, if you're feeling stagnant, let me, let me challenge you. Look at the context of your community. Who are you hang, hanging out with? Who are you spending time with? What are you allow, What influence have you put around you? See, I, I've, I need church. And let me, let me say this. Let me say this about Sunday mornings. I love Sunday mornings. But this cannot be the context of our community. If this is the only context of our community, it's going to fall terribly short. Because we don't get the time to interact the way we're designed to interact in a Sunday morning service. You get to hear me talk, but I don't get to hear all your stories. And I love Sunday morning, and I love to be in the house of God. I love to be in an environment where Jesus is worshiped, where truth is spoken, and where I can engage, where I have my brothers and sisters. And you know what? I, could have, I can have church in here with you just as much as I could have church in, in, a, in a slum in Gatenga, Rwanda, because I'm around my brothers and sisters, and I'm around worship, and I'm around the truth of the word of God. I need this environment. You need this environment. But we need, see, the thing is, there's, there's, there's an accountability that happens in this environment. I mean, I can't, I can't be accountable for your growth, though. You have to maintain your desire to grow. It's up to you. It's up to me to maintain my growth, my desire for growth. It says that Jesus was asking them questions. I wrestled with this a little bit because as I was praying, I was like, well, God, why would Jesus ask them questions if he's the God of the world? I mean, he created everything. I mean, John tells us that, that in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and that, that Jesus is the word. And then Colossians tells us that all things are created by him, through him, and for him. Like, why, why he, he did this, that he was increasing. It says the child grew in wisdom. He was increasing in wisdom. So although he's fully God and fully man, God began to reveal things to Jesus through his life. And so Jesus is saying, I, I, want, to, I want to ask. I'm, I'm, I'm inquisitive. It's like your kids. Some, and I know this can be frustrating because it's most of the time after work when you're driving, you pick the kids up, it's been a long day, and they want to ask you 500 questions. Why? 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 Mommy, why? Mommy, why? Mommy, why? You get home, you're like, hey, honey, it's good to see you. Take the kids. Daddy, why? Daddy, why? Daddy, why? You know, I'm, you know what I'm talking about. I'll be honest with you. My kids are older, and I miss those days. Here's the truth of what's going on in that situation. God has put our kids in it, and we get the opportunity to teach our kids. Our kids have a desire to grow. Our kids have a desire to learn from you. Why do we stop our desire to learn just because we become adults? 
I mean, do, how much of us really have a desire to grow in the things of God? How many of us are asking questions of, of faith? We all wrestle with doubt. I mean, I'm, I'm not alone. I wrestle with doubt. I know you do. But why are we not asking questions to help us move into revelation beyond our doubts? We just seem to get complacent in our desire to grow. Well, I did 12 years. I made it through school. I did an extra four. I did another two for that master's degree. I spent eight years trying to get a bachelor's degree. <laughs> I got 20 years of school. I remember walking. I wasn't going to walk. My family made me walk. They're like, Dad, and I had kids, Heather and my kids, said, you're walking. We put up with you for that time. I'm walking across, and here's what it was. I am done with school. And I walk off that platform. But that doesn't mean I'm done with learning. Because learning fuels a desire to grow. We got to continue to learn. We continue to ask questions. This is a safe place to ask questions, by the way. This is a safe place to wrestle with faith. Because I wrestle with my faith at times. But it's not enough just to ask questions. We've got to listen. It says Jesus was listening to them. And what this translates to in our growth and our ability to grow up is growth is dependent on what we consume. I mean, physically, we eat, we grow. Yesterday, I got a treat. I got a treat. Heather, let me have biscuits and gravy. And I'm telling you, this is like man's gravy too, okay? This is like axle grease thickness gravy, you know, the good gravy where, I mean, when you pour it, it doesn't pour, it clumps. You know, I, oh, come on, I'm getting hungry. You know what I'm talking about. And yes and amen, it had sausage bits in it. Some of y'all men like, you speak in my love language now. <laughs> and I'm eating this gravy over these biscuits and I'm just, I'm like, oh, baby, I love you. You are the best wife ever. And I mean, this, I'm just handling this. But here's what I know, what I'm consuming, it's causing me to grow. Okay, because I can feel there's a gravy bump sitting right here this morning that is my gravy tumor, and I've got this band that I wear at the gym that tells me how many calories I burn, and here's what I know about that gravy bump. I'm going to have to work out for the next three months, okay, because I grew. I grew yesterday because of what I consumed. In my fourth grade computer class, my teacher taught me this term, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. When we feed on garbage, that's what's going to come out. What comes in is eventually going to come out. I did a message one time. It's called the theology of the toothpaste. It's like the tube of toothpaste. When you squeeze it, what's inside the tube comes out, right? So what you put in, it's going to come out. And when we get squeezed in life, what we've been feeding on, what we've been consuming, whether that's emotionally, so what are you filling yourselves emotionally with? What are you filling yourselves physically with? What are you filling yourself spiritually with? Because eventually you're gonna hit a squeeze. That trial's gonna come and it's gonna squeeze it and it's gonna come out. Here's what I have to admit. Those of you who know me know that traffic is the bane of my existence. But when somebody cuts me off, that person did not put the anger in me. They squeezed the tube. And that anger came out. Just like when I say something stupid, when I do something stupid, you know, I didn't put the anger in you. I just squeezed the tube. The anger was in there. What are we filling ourselves with? What are we consuming? Because that affects, that is significant in our ability to grow. 
And when we can be in the right environment and we can be in the right context and we can be asking questions and we can be having this desire to grow. And, and, and the reality is, you know, when you think about this, like think about reading scripture. I mean, do you really have a desire to hear from God? Do you really have a desire to listen to the word of God? Because I'm going to admit to you, there are days that I read my Bible and I'm reading and then I go, check. I did it. And our mentality can be, God, I checked it off, so you got to bless me. And I think God's saying to us, but you missed what I wanted to say to you. Or sometimes with prayer. I feel like God convicts me sometime in my prayer life, and he said, all you did in our time together is you listed off a list of things you want me to do. And I had some things I wanted to say to you, but you didn't take the time to listen. Do we really want to consume the things of God? Because here's what I know. The only way that I can think on things that are holy is to be surrounded by things that are holy. The only way I can walk in purity is to make sure that, that it's pure coming in. The only way that I can walk in character and integrity is to make sure that I'm in an environment and that I'm seeking it out and I'm feeding on character and integrity, on truth and truth from the word of God. And let me give you a warning about growth because we all desire to grow. We're all growing. I mean, you're either growing forward or you're either growing healthy or unhealthy. We'll just say it that way. Physically, I have to go to the gym. If I don't, I can't, I, I can't function. If I don't go to the gym, I begin to grow unhealthy. When I'm out of the word of God, I begin to grow unhealthy. When I'm not around people who can, can encourage me and, and I walk with people of integrity, emotionally, I begin to grow unhealthy. But let me give you a danger about growth. Don't compare your growth based on other people. Because we do this in the church. We start looking like, hey, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. That's going to lead to pride. And then what happens is we go, well, I'm not as good as, and then it leads us to a defeated attitude. How do we measure growth? It's based on where we started and where we are now. Are you seeing positive growth or are you seeing negative growth? Because here, here, here's what I know. I mean, Jesus got lost, and they lost Jesus in this passage. And here's what I know, that when it comes to growth and it comes to your situation, there are people in this room that are lost. There are people that are lost spiritually. That you're, you're in the right environment this morning. But there has to be a heart change for that environment to begin to take effect that we can be around the things of God, but until we let God have all of us, we're not gonna see any change. And that happens when we come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I need you to be Savior. I need you to be the Lord of my life. I'm coming to you and I, I know I've got sin in my life. I know I'm not good. And some of you are lost because you've believed a lie of the enemy that tells you, he tells you you'll never, God will never love you because of the things you've done. God will never love you because of who you are. God is not going to love you, and you're never going to be good enough. And, and you've let yourself become lost because you've fed and you've allowed that lie to become what you've consumed. 
I want you to hear me this morning that Jesus has done all the work for you. That he grew in wisdom and favor and stature with God and man. And then there, there was the appointed time where that ministry was launched and he walked a hill called Calvary and he gave his life on a cross and he laid in a tomb and on the third day he walked victoriously from that tomb so that you can have life, so that I can have life. Not so I can get my stuff cleaned up and he'll fix me. It's so I can come to him exactly as I am. He is faithful. And he says, if you'll just come to me, I will take that mess of your life and I will make it into something holy and I will give you a purpose that's bigger than your own and I will take the fragments and the brokenness and all the areas of your life that you felt lost and I will give you a purpose and I will give you a direction and I will give you a hope and give you a future. But we've got to submit to him for that to happen. And we've got to say, Jesus, forgive me, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner and I need you to be Lord of my life. And here's what I know. There's some people in this room that are lost because you, you've, you've allowed yourselves to be comfortable in environments that are not healthy for you. Or you've allowed yourself to become content with what you're consuming. And it's not the holiness of God. And Jesus is calling for you, saying, Come and sit, come and listen, come and ask. In a minute, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm, I'm going to pray for those in this room that, that need salvation. I'm going to pray that today, just as in that, that mud hut in Africa, when the Holy Spirit said to me, just as Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your house. I'm going to pray for you that today salvation comes to the chair you're sitting in. And I'm going to pray for the rest of us that we're never content and we never stag let ourselves become stagnant, that we always have a desire to grow forward and closer to God and we encourage one another in our relationship. And I'm also going to pray for you because some of y'all are frustrated. Some of y'all are lost because you feel like you have your ministry, but you haven't yet engaged in it. And I'm going to pray for you to be people that step up as the people of God that help create environments for people uh, to learn and to grow and to be fed, and to be heard. Because some of you, that's, that's your next step of growth. Let me pray for us. Father, we, we love you and we thank you that um, you desire us to grow and that you never stop working on us. And I do pray for those in this room this morning, God, that, that they've never placed their faith in you. They've never experienced the salvation that comes through a relationship with Jesus. God, their faith is lost. And I pray this morning that that salvation finds them. That where they're at, you give them the courage and the humility to just say, Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. I need you to restore and reconcile my life. I know I've got mess in my past. I know there are things I'm ashamed of, but Jesus, I'm asking you to take those and redeem those. And I'm asking you to give me a purpose greater than what I can see. 
I'm asking you, Jesus, to be my Savior and to be my Lord. I'm asking you to birth your life and your purpose in me so that now I begin to grow in you. God, for those of us in this room that, that we are saved but, and we've just become stagnant, I pray you, Holy Spirit, fill us and give us a fire that you create in us that desire to draw closer to the things of God. Give us wisdom and discernment to evaluate the environments we let ourselves continue to be in. Give us the ability to discern the food, that, the things that we're consuming emotionally, spiritually, even physically. We ask you to grow us. And we are here as your children. And I pray that you continue to grow us in wisdom, increase us in wisdom, and let us grow in favor and stature with you, God, and with the people that we live around. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.